the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. I don't want them to dump that problem that they so wisely saw on me to necessarily solve. I like them to see it and then figure out, here's a solution. Here's some things we might be able to do to work it out. Because that way you disagree, but you're not disagreeable. You probably recall that I like to use the term unity room. I don't expect everybody on a particular point to agree 100% and be in the center of the room. But I believe the Bible would want us to be somewhere in the unity room around an issue so that we can see the technicolor surround sound of an issue and have a better perspective on it. And that's what it's saying here. Do all things without complaining and always being disagreeable. Always arguing. Always got to fight over this issue. Always saying, no, not me. Let someone else. All right, that's what this is really saying here. So I think some deals with emotions and some deals with communication. So the next question would be, well, how do I win over my whining? Okay, I I get it. I get it, Pastor. I, I get it. I see where whining really, it bothers God. He gets angry. He judges over that. I can see that this thing is bigger than I ever thought it was. Secondly, I, I, I know that there's an issue. What do I do with it? Well, let me give you these because some of you may want to teach your kids this. Some of you may want to put this up and begin to work them through a biblical model to overcome the complaining because of how serious it is. So let me give you number one. First of all, you have to admit that it's a problem. And I don't mean it's someone else's problem, but it, it is a problem. It is a severe issue. I think it has kept many churches from growing. I think it has caused many people not to want to serve on a committee or a team. I imagine it has really hindered relationships between husbands and wives even, where they kind of just drift into only talking about a few things that they can agree on because the things that they don't agree on are way too many and they became so disagreeable and they whine all the time. And it can go further than that on the job and other places as well. So again, we need to admit it that it's a problem. Look at the verse here in Proverbs 28, 13. It says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. So it's a serious problem that needs to be dealt with. See, it is your problem. Not he's got the problem, it's I've got the problem. Which moves us into number two. Accept responsibility for your own life. Now, this is a little different than saying that I got a problem with whining. I have a problem with complaining. I have a problem with a perfectionist attitude. I have a problem with cynicism. It's a little deeper than that now. What we're saying is this. Now listen very carefully. Maybe the reason you've got the problem is because you haven't positively been part of the solution. You follow me what I'm saying? So this is saying accept your own responsibility for this whole thing. Instead of blaming others. The reason I'm like this is because my parents were like this. 
The reason I'm like this is because you just don't know my wife. You don't know my husband. You don't know my parents. You don't know my kids. You don't know my boss. You don't know my fellow workers. You don't know. And we blame everybody instead of for a moment say, you know what? Maybe the reason my life is so bad and, and it really is, and I'm not denying that and I now complain about it is maybe because I made my life bad. Part of that is my problem. For example, if you're in debt, don't blame the world and the economy and everything. It might be time for us to just cut back on our own spending. If you're not appreciated, could it be that you haven't sent a thank you note to someone else? You haven't sat down with a person and appreciated them? You reap what you sow. If you feel like you only have a few friends and nobody understands you, nobody cares, could it be that you are not friendly and you haven't done that? So take some responsibility for the kind of junk you're getting into your own world that's causing you to maybe complain. Look at verse 3 of Proverbs 19. It says, the foolishness of a man twists his own way. In other words, he always seems he's right in his own mind. He's so foolish, he kind of twists the whole situation and it sounds so convincing to him. And his heart frets against the Lord. In other words, you never really get it resolved. You're always trying to spin the situation so that uh, woe is you or bad is the other person. And it's fretting the Lord. It's fretting your relationship with the Lord. And he's not filling you with the fullness of joy and peace and the spirit like he should. So think about that. I have three words that um, speak to me about my, my whining. Stan, you could be one of three people. You can be an accuser. In other words, like I guess you'd say Adam. It's your fault, God. You know, you gave me that. You did this. It's your fault. I could do that. I'll talk about that in a moment. The second is I could be an excuser. I have an accuser, your fault. Okay, an excuser, it's not my fault, not me, everybody else is the creep, not me, okay, but I like to think that I could be, and I want to be, the third one, which is a chooser. I choose to take responsibility, beginning with my thinking, my attitude, my conduct, including my communication, and so I could either be an accuser, blame everybody else, excuse it, it's not me. I'm doing the best I can, or I can choose to have the mind of Christ in these things. And the Bible here, look at, look at folks, the Bible here is filled with men and women who had it far worse than what we have that still stood strong for God. And you don't see complainer put on their epitaph. And so I know that it can be done through Christ. So I want to be a chooser. Well, let's look at the third way to win over this whining, and that is to acquire an attitude of gratitude. Again, I am so grateful for what was said early this morning in our worship time. Acquire the attitude of gratitude. We are now moving deeper into how to overcome this because really my complaining, while it may be a habit, I think it's a deeper, deeper issue of my true acceptance of the sovereignty of God in my life. And when he's sovereign in my life, he either permits the kind of life I have or he prescribes what I have. And so there's a purpose in this thing. And I have now decided to to say, God, you don't know what's best. I do. And so it's so deep, so subconscious that it now spills over into whining. So I need to acquire the attitude of gratitude. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, in everything, give thanks. Now, watch. I'm not saying in my whining, I give thanks. But what's causing me to whine I'm going to give thanks because whatever that is, look at the rest of the verse, is the will of God concerning me. Now, yes, some of it might be where the Lord is disciplining me because I've sinned. I'm getting the results of that sin. 
And so I still say thank you, Lord, because when I respond positively to his discipline, it's going to yield within me the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So even in the midst, I did something wrong. I want to whine, but I'm going to say thankful because God is disciplining me because at the very end of the day, I'm going to be a better person because of this thing. So knock off the whining. Stop the complaining. Quit being a perfectionist. Get rid of being a cynic. When you start doing that, you're having that attitude of gratitude as we see that's happening here. Look in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. A little bit further in the same passage, uh, same book of Philippians. This is not that I speak in regard to need, which I believe he had a great need. Remember, he's in prison right now. And being in prison, not like our American prisons, people had to bring you food and clothing and whatever you needed in prison. You were just like an animal shut in a cage with nobody there to help you. So he had a great need. But he says, I'm not writing this because I have a need. He says, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Whoa, whoa, that is so cool. He says, I've come to a point to know that whatever God allows to come into my life, while I could make some mid-course corrections through it, I still have to realize God is large and in charge. He brought it into my life. While I'm going through this, he's near and dear to me so I can be content. Would you say that word content out loud with content? One more time content. I don't know how this all happened, but even that word content sounds so content, doesn't it? When you say it, content. So he says, I learned whatever state I'm in. Now, contextually, it could be I've learned how to abase and I learned how to abound. So I was content when I had a lot, but I was also content when I didn't have a lot. And I love this part. And I learned how to do that. That tells me the great apostle Paul still had issues that came against him. But he learned how to have that spirit of contentment. And when you have that, then what do you do? You've overcome the sin of whining, complaining. And he learned how to do that. Have you ever heard the phrase, when life gives you lemons, what do you do with it? Make lemonade. So I think that's the important thing. Number four, attempt to see God's hand in the circumstances. I put a star by this one because now we're going into perhaps the deeper spiritual reason why we complain. Attempt to see God's hand in the circumstances. This is very, very important. Now, I will tell you, frankly, not every situation you go through will you ever be able to clearly understand the full reason why it's happening. I mean, the exact specific reason. But I can tell you this, that's where faith comes in, where I believe in a God who he does everything right. He is always good to us, always loves us, always cares for us. Everything happens is for his glory. So I'm part of his forever family. No matter how bad it gets here, I still go to heaven, all of that, as a Christian. So I can still see that God's hand is in this. There's something good that can come my way. Let me read you this passage of scripture. It's so rich. 2 Corinthians 4.17. Here's what Paul says. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, I read the testimony this last week of someone who was held in a prison in Iran for almost a year. He said when we was shut up into that prison, as bad as it was in that prison, he said, I never knew we would get out. The guards would come and say, you're going to die here. You're going to die here. You're going to die here. You're never going to get out of here. You're going to die here. And he said, when I was in that little solitary confinement, which it was, he said, I'm going to concentrate, not that I'm going to die here. He says, I'm going to concentrate on what I'm going to do all day long. I have no books to read, have nothing to do. So he started to do push-ups. And then he did sit-ups. I think he came to something like 2,000 push-ups and 3,000 sit-ups. They showed a picture of him. 
I should look that good. You follow me? Now, what he did was he looked at all that he had around him and he turned it into that lemonade. He turned it into something that would make him stronger and better. He could see God in him. It's like a light affliction. But the Guzana says, which is but for a moment. Have you ever noticed that the things you complained about five years ago, that you're still alive today and you're still doing all right, you still live, lucky live Hawaii, we say, God is still good to us. It says it's working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. So no matter what I'm going through, eternally, I still have something greater waiting for me. And then it says, which we do not look at the things which are seen. So in other words, I'm not going to look at how bad it gets here, but at the things which are not seen, that wonderful glory of the Lord. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. My wife has a favorite phrase, and when I go into the unfortunate mode of whining, the fourth person of the Trinity, my wife, she will say, now Stan, she'll say, remember who you're doing all this for. Because sometimes you forget. You think you're doing it for others. You think you're putting the people over you. You just, you just she, who are you doing it for? I said, well, I'm really doing it for the Lord. And then she'll smile. And then she'll say, who do you have your eyes on? People. And she says, that's why you got that. Keep your eyes on the Lord. When you keep your eyes on the Lord, you remember who you're doing it for, and he's the one who's going to reward you. He'll get you through all of this thing. You're going to be a better person for all of this thing. How does that make you feel? Angry at you for telling me? No. (laughs) But what happens is that it's changed me from the inside. And she's really giving us, in modern-day English, the understanding of this verse right here. Who are you doing it for? Whose eyes are you on? Looking on the Lord? Keep your eyes on the Lord. Remember who you're doing it for. I think it's important. I wrote this to me because I, I needed it so much for myself. He says, I said, Stan, when you question God's wisdom, it's when you ask, Lord, do you really know what I'm going through? I'm basically saying, Lord, you dummy, I know more. This is not how it should be. Do it this way. Secondly, Stan, when you doubt God cares for you, you're really asking, Do you really love me? Do you really care for me? Isn't that the stupidest thing I'm doing? When I doubt God's care, all I have to do is what? Look at the cross. That's a symbol of a place where Jesus demonstrated his love to me while I was yet a sinner. So when I don't think people appreciate me or care for me or think well of me or complain about me or whatever, I look to the cross and remember God loves me this much. You get that? And the third one was, if I forget God's goodness, it's because I didn't really keep my focus on Christ. I'm still toying with one message I'm going to give. Next week I'll be in Romans and I'll finish Romans, Lord willing. The next message after that, I'm really wanting to give a message called looking at yourself through the eyes of God. It'll be an exposition from Psalm 139 on six of his attributes because it's like if I could leave you with one thing and that'd be the last message and I'd say amen and keel over and die and go to heaven that would be the message I would want to give to you so that you would always know that it's God first always in our life well the fifth one is to agree to speak positively you just you have to do that you've got to make that commitment I will remove my bad habit by just speaking positively So what do you do? You don't return evil for evil. You don't complain and then you blast the other person under your breath or to someone else or even to that person. 
When you get something bad to you, you return good for the evil that you think you're getting. So speak positively. Look at the verse. Let no corrupt word or communication proceed out of your mouth. Stop it. Just stop it. But what is good for necessary edification, let that come out of your mouth so it ministers grace to the hearer. So what are the benefits of not whining? I'm hoping that you're going to replace your complaining with complimenting. And now what do I do? This is very simple and will be pal. First of all, you're going to be free of blame. Look, look at the verse in verse 15. It says that you may become blameless. Do you know when you quit complaining, then you will not be criticized by others as a complainer? Have you ever thought about you and what people say about you because you are a complainer? Maybe you're proud about being a curmudgeon. I hope not. I hope not. It's like saying, I'm a sinner. You know, I, I would be proud about that. And so on the other hand, when you des- decide to be a grace giver, a lover, be content accepting this from the Lord and giving him the glory, you're going to be free of criticism. You're going to become blameless. Secondly, you'll be found having integrity. Here it says being harmless. Actually, the Greek word is the word being innocent. It doesn't mean being perfect. It just means being innocent. That means you're going to be authentic. Here you are saying, I'm a Christian, and all you do is kind of, yeah, 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 the world. Well, the world does that everywhere they go. Why, why do you think there's so many um, protests going all over? Everybody wants to wave their flag and scream at everybody, and they all get these rants, whether it's from radio to notes to emails. Everybody wants their voice to be heard. They're griping about something. Well, that's the world. And you'll then have integrity because you're going to say, God's large and in charge, and I trust in him. Thirdly, you'll be faultless in a warped world without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Man, you're going to really shine. You will really be visible, which tells us that's what your life is about, being visible. You'll be so different. Have you known anybody that no matter what they go through, they just seem to really praise the Lord? They just seem to never complain no matter how bad it is. They don't complain about their accountant, their lawyer, their doctor, their neighbor, their parent, their church friend, friend, Whoever it might be, they, they just, they're just not that way. They just learn to kind of be visible and shine as someone who's got something worth offering. And then it says offering eternal life. This phrase here, holding forth, holding fast, is really holding forth the word of life. I'd like you to look up here for a moment. I'm, I'm bringing this message to this point. Here's where we're at. When I complain, who do I have my eyes on really? Myself. I don't have my eyes on the Lord. But when I quit complaining, it helps when I realize those people driving by here, the majority, the vast majority of them don't know Christ as their Savior. And instead of worrying about my problem and how bad deals I've gotten, how I've been treated and all of this, I need to have my eyes off that on the world and now take that gospel to all of them. All of them need Christ. All of them need Jesus Christ. Even Christians need a deeper walk with the Lord. And so when I could carry my eyes on myself, perhaps more creative juices happen my way, where now that I'll find a way, how can I connect to them? Not how bad was my meal, how terrible my waiter or waitress was, my server was, and now I'd never give them a gospel, never leave a track. Those of you that quit complaining, you realize, I don't care, no matter how bad my world is, that world out there has it far worse than I have. They don't even have Christ in their world. And God's left me here to hold forth the word of life to them to hold forth the word of life to them. So get my eyes on their needs and Christ will fill those needs because he's filled mine and in the spirit of gratefulness to him for what he's done for me, I want them to know my savior for who he is to me. So I become visible, but I also become more focused on eternal values. And finally, it'll bring joy to those who mentor you. 
you know, at the end of this, Paul goes on to say, I want you to quit complaining. I want you to shine light into the world. I want you to hold forth the word of light. So I want you to be the light and share the life. Why? So that I could rejoice in the day of Christ. That I might not run in vain or labored in vain. I feel like I've wasted my life. I've taught you this. I've written you. I've modeled this. I've meant you. I've done everything that I could. And all you do is whine and gripe and complain. You're not out there winning souls. You're not a light into the world. You're all of this. I feel like I've wasted my life. But if you do the right thing, he says, guess what? I'm going to rejoice. I, I realize my ministry among you wasn't in vain. I didn't work all this. I didn't sacrifice all this for you and try to help you in vain. Yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering, that's basically saying as if I'm actually going to die on the sacrifice and the service of your faith. In other words, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die for you. I am glad and rejoice with all of you because you got the message. You read your memo. Quit complaining and arguing. For the same reason, you also be glad. In other words, just like for me, you be glad too and rejoice with me. Why? When I don't whine and complain and all the rest. So let's work on this thing together, he is saying. I love this passage because it starts out with the negative. Don't do this. And then he ends with the positive so that we together can rejoice in the greatness of God together. And that's how I want to end this message with you. Life is made up of accusing, excusing, or choosing. And I pray more than anything that we will choose Christ. When I look at his life, he really never complained. When I know that he went to the cross, he didn't complain. He didn't get up there and whine. Why do I have to go to the cross? Look what they're doing with my clothes. I did all of this for them. Healed them, fed them, rose them from the dead. And look what happened. He never did all of that. He just loved them to the end. And his life is now in me. So I pray that as we move forward, and this is by far the majority of you know Christ as Savior, then draw upon the Christ who is in you to let that Christ, who he is, live out his life through you. And don't complain. Don't whine, don't be a cynic, don't be a martyr, don't be a perfectionist. Be a blood-bought, born-again Christian filled with the fullness of God. And if you haven't trusted Christ as Savior, what I'm sharing with you is still important. Even you don't want whiners in the world. But the challenge is, is that the only way you're going to overcome that is when you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. So I pray that you look over your life and say, you know what? I am a sinner. I, I have complained when I shouldn't have. I have it pretty good when I put it up against the thing. I, but, but Lord, I, 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 I'll never make it to heaven by my good works. I know you died and you rose again. and So I'm trusting in you for the full forgiveness of my sin. And Jesus says, I'll forgive you. That's why I went to the cross for you. If you'll trust in me, not by works, but by faith, you can have everlasting life. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. While it begins with the negative, it ends with the positive. While this message might have had a little bit of negativity in there, and we talked about complaining and whining, and I don't have any one person in mind. Nobody sent me a message to preach on this. The Lord just said, this is a time for our church to do this. Be very careful, because um, our little comfort zone might be shaken a little bit, and we could roll in the area of complaining. We need to be careful. So let's end on the positive. Let's now shine our lights. Let's take out the gospel to other people. Let's make those who have mentored and discipled us now and in the past so encouraged by that. Have you ever thought what would happen in a church if everyone stopped grumbling? I've never known a growing and healthy church that had grumblers and complainers in it. But maybe what would happen in your business 
if you led the way to quit complaining and no one ever heard a negative comment out of your mouth that wasn't filled with a solution that you're willing to pay the price to do. And how about um, how about a marriage? Wouldn't it be great to start your family again and don't look at mom or dad to quit their grumbling. Don't look at sister or brother or your kids. Just say, I'm going to lead the way. I'm going to be that bright light in my family of being positive and an encouragement. Wouldn't it be great to see the results of that in your life? If you haven't trusted Christ as Savior, maybe in your own heart right now, just simply say, Lord, I know I've done things wrong and this is part of it. And I want to have an eternal relationship with you, but I also want to have a home in heaven waiting for me. And you said that if I would trust you as Savior, you'd forgive me of my sin and you'd give me eternal life. So I'm doing it right now. I'm trusting you. And Jesus comes back to you and says, he that believes on me has right now everlasting life. And so a promise back to you is if you do the believing part, he'll do the saving and keeping part. Why don't you trust him as your Savior? And for us Christians, let's see if now we'll go to the Lord and work on some of this grumbling and not even grumble at this message that you heard today and the one who delivered it. Give it to the Lord now and receive it from Him as a gift to take you to your next level in your walk with Him. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank You for who You are and what You mean to us. And I thank You how that Your Word very lovingly and carefully but very emphatically shows us how to live our Christian life. And today we really learned how to move from a whiner to a winner, from a grumbler to a grateful person. And so, Lord, now let us own this message for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.